0: Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined once again by Ben Gessling and Michael Rand of the Star Tribune. Hi, guys. Hey, Andrew. How How you doing? Doing pretty well. Schedule breakdown. I'm very pleasantly surprised to see you guys aren't hung over from your schedule parties last night. I hide it well. <laughs> ben, you were working, so you couldn't have been drinking and celebrating. No, like I, I was not. I,
1: I watched zero minutes of these schedule release shows. The thing is, the whole thing leaked at yeah. by like 7 a.m. And as I'm checking around with people, it's like, yep, yeah, this one lines up, this one lines up. So by the middle of the day, it was like. I basically had the story written. It's like this schedule is accurate. What's leaked out, everything I've been able to tell from reporting on it is this is 100% accurate. The only thing I basically told the editors, this story is ready to go. The only thing we need to figure out is game times on a couple of those Sunday games, like the home opener being 325. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, the Seahawks are coming to town. The Star Tribune has learned. Uh, they've played out there a few times in Seattle recently. <laughs> you um, might have heard. You might have heard. Um, <laughs> Don't get me started on that. That gets me riled up. Um, Yeah, so I didn't end up having to work all that late because the story was basically ready to go. We pushed the button on it uh, about three minutes after the schedule because I said, okay, 325 here. Uh, These are 305, not 325, except the 49ers are 325. And apparently, night football starts five minutes earlier than I thought. But otherwise,
0: we were good to go. So I didn't work super late. What was the deal with the NFL releasing week one first? They, I know the NFL is king of, like, making events out of nothing in the ten middle pole, of May. Rick. The oh. phrase that
1: Rick Spielman had never heard until you told it to him a couple of weeks ago.
0: Yeah, apparently, right? You know, That's, I know
1: that's the, a common phrase for this stuff. But, yeah, you, you said it in Rick's uh, pre-draft
0: thing, and Rick thought it was funny. So then he said it about six more times, I think, during his press conference, about 10 poll events. He did. He gets stuck on a word sometimes if he likes it, and he'll just keep repeating it. You know, he's yeah. got to... <laughs> Uh, um but the nfl though they went about this obviously that obviously they're going to make a big deal about the schedule release they do so every week they announce it a week in advance of hey we're announcing the announcement yeah um and but then they released week one is that just what what the heck was that just to like tease people of like hey now now you're going to want to know your next 16 games i would assume because they did it like they let the the morning shows like fox
1: it was fox and friends um Yeah. Uh, And then uh, I think it was like Good Morning America and uh, CBS This Morning. So they let all the rights holders do it. I think probably in part, I'm sure they've heard it from rights holders saying all these games leak and we want our shows to be worth watching. So we need to get back in front of it and be able to break some news on some of these shows or on some of our at least some of our properties, not our central lease show, so to speak. Um, but uh, yeah, it, yeah, I think that was probably why they did that, just to try to in this kind of balance of power of uh, between state-controlled media slash NFL-affiliated rights holders and uh, the rest of us that aren't taking any money from the NFL. Um, they wanted to try to get back, I think, on the front end of that, rather than this being a story that independent sources could get a hold of and break.
0: Yeah, we've, we've known the Vikings opponents, 2021 opponents, since last season ended. Obviously, those things are set right away, but it was just the order at which, and that gets a yep. lot of attention in terms of the order, and it is an interesting schedule in terms of certain stretches. There are plenty of storylines that, in terms of the, the foes the Vikings are facing. I think what people see, though, in the top thing that you think, if you're a Vikings fan looking at this, is saying, wow, that's, that's not an easy schedule. And I guess the only thing you have to lean on if you're a Vikings fan is saying, Hey, the rest of the divisions facing the same thing because the entire NFC North has to face the AFC West or excuse me, the NFC North has to face the AFC East and the NFC West. NFC North. And the AFC. AFC North, man. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place. The two so, divisions that had all the playoff teams last year. Yeah, exactly. The two, the two good divisions last year. So they got to face those. So not, while the Vikings have the fifth toughest schedule by strength of schedule, which just goes off of last year's records for those teams, uh, so do the Bears, so do the Packers, and so do the Lions. They're all in the top six in terms of toughest schedules by that metric. Um, but, Ben, what stood out to you when you, uh, when you got the leaked schedule early before the announcement? That stretch
1: from the Cowboys on Halloween night to the Steelers on a Thursday night in December – uh, that those are the bookends of it. But in between there, there's like, I think four or five on the road. Uh, and three of those are on the coasts and two of those are on the West coast. So in other words, that is an awfully tough stretch. You got Dallas. Then you go to Baltimore. Mike is scoffing at Dallas. Dallas has Dak Prescott instead of uh, Andy Colton. So a little different. Um yeah, Lamar Jackson. Then you go to the West Coast to face the Chargers. Then you're homing us to Packers, which who knows. Um, then it's at San Francisco. and Then it's uh, the Lions, at, which is on the road. That probably not quite as difficult, but still a road game. And um, then Thursday night at home against the Steelers. So yeah. that's the stretch to me that's going kind to of make a break. And then all the division games at the end.
0: Yeah, and a short a short turnaround too for that Thursday night game. They've got Week fourteen against the Steelers, coming off that road game against the Lions. Mike, why did you scoff at the Dallas Cowboys?
2: Uh, I don't think Dallas is very good, but I just w- the weird thing about this schedule is they weren't very good
1: last year either. They came in and won.
2: Yeah, well, there's that. There's that. The weird part about this schedule is again we've known all the opponents for a long time. We've known home and away for a long time. What the, what the schedule release does for me always is you see them in a certain order and it, it you kind of go, you go, you go through it and you go win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. And for whatever reason, when I kept adding them up, I kept getting to 10 or 11 wins. And I don't know why. I I, I don't feel that's
1: good. What? I was at 17. I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> I
2: didn't see a loss though, in the schedule. I don't see a loss in the schedule. either. Everybody's zero and zero right now, but I don't know why I kept getting to 10 or 11. I think the problem. The problem is I think this time of year there's there, you, there's benefit of the doubt. And you, you look at the, sh- you put the should win games into the win pile. And then when I see a bunch of tough games in a row, I tend to kind of split those as one win, one loss sometimes, um, unless it's like, you know, really, really tough and you're like loss loss. So, but I, I feel like they got a good chance to start five and two um, based on that schedule. And, that middle part's really going to test them, but for whatever reason, it looked, it looked easier, less daunting to me when the schedule came out than it did before we knew the order of things. I don't think Pittsburgh's going to be very good this year. I think Cleveland's going to regress. So I just, I feel like the strength of schedule thing is going to be a little bit overblown because it all is all of it's based on a really weird 2020 season.
1: It does change because yeah, every year we sit here and say this and it usually in the NFL is also a way of saying when a lot of these teams are going to regress, it's not going to be as tough as you think. Um, the part we're probably not talking about enough is, and this is in part because they won in both of those places last year with the stadium empty in, in the case of uh, in both soldier field and Lambeau field and Gale force wins neutralizing Aaron Rodgers somewhat in the case of Lambeau Field. We don't know whether Aaron Rodgers is going to be there or whether it's going to be Jordan Love, but I will say this. Or Blake Bortles. Or Blake Bortles. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I don't think it's going to be Blake Bortles, but good grief. I mean, when they did that yesterday, it's like, okay, now – and they had their Seneca Wallace moment when Rodgers got hurt, but, like, this is how the rest of the world lives. (laughs) You know, this should be a – I think in some ways a, a wake up call to the Packers front office of you guys want to go down this road because this is how the rest of the NFL has to think about their quarterback position. Oh, maybe we can get some out of Blake portals. <clears throat> the Packers haven't had to think that way for 30 years. So no. anyway, um, I don't know what they're going to be, but the the point here that I'm, I'm kind of looking at is all these division games at the end come at a time where they have not been very good. They have struggled a lot more in December and January than they typically do in September, October, November. And there are a lot of theories for that. I, I've heard some things about, you know, people wondering are they worn out by that time of year given the way that they practice and, and the kind of the pace that they go at. You are setting yourself up where you have, what, five, division four division games i think in the last six and the schedule is a week longer two of them are at least at the moment outside in cold weather at night against division opponents that will have fans back in the stands this year so that is a tough ask for a team that has not been very good at the end of the season or at least has not been able to keep up the same level of success in december january that they have in the early months of the year so that's tough. That stretch in November is tough The stretch at the end is probably going to be the one that determines where they finish. And uh, it's going to put a lot on their ability to hold up.
0: Yeah, the NFL is is no dummy because the Vikings are playing the Bears twice in December when a quarterback named Justin Fields is most likely to be playing. Yeah, that's true, and, and not Andy Dalton. Their primetime game against the Bears Monday night at Chicago, which it seems to always be primetime at Chicago, and it rarely seems in, to in the least. last six years. On Monday night. And it rarely seems to go well for them on primetime at Chicago. And so that's going to be week 15, where, again, Justin Fields is probably going to be playing. You're going to hear all the storylines about uh, the quarterback dominoes and the changes and and the Vikings having the chance or not having the chance to go get that kid. Um, Anyway, it's it yeah, and then it goes at Bears versus Rams, at Packers versus Bears. That's the end. That's That's the four final games. And then, you obviously, you can attach the Steelers game week 14 before that, as you said, Ben, those final five games, that's quite the gauntlet the playoff teams from last I, year.
2: I think they go three and two in that stretch. I don't know why I'm so optimistic. You got what, what's happened to me. Did I, have <laughs> I secretly yeah. been replaced by, I don't know. The I don't know year. why. What is it? Is it the, the offense? odd year? Is it the odd year, it, odd year magic? Yeah.
1: Mike, everybody is the, will get hurt and they'll, they won't have a single injury. Will is get
2: traded.
0: this is the thing this is why Rodgers is going to get traded cuz it's an odd year. Yeah, there you go. Mike is that the offensive line picks. They just did that and you're you're all in.
2: No. No, I mean I saw that I actually talked about this on Daily Delivery today the, the Kirk Cousins for MVP thing on Pro Football Focus based on this improved offensive line which uh, we still got to see. But uh yeah, I mean uh yeah. Uh, it's I don't know. I it, it's it's so it's so dumb that the order of these games makes me think about them differently, but it just does. You can kind of see the rhythm of the season. You can see a team that if they start five and two, probably gets a little confidence. Um, Again, that's a lot of assumptions we're making about those first seven games. You don't want to put wins in the win column just because of that, but it just, it feels like the way it sets up, you could at least have a good start to the year. (laughs) Maybe I thought about, I thought that might've been the case last year too, and they started one and five. So you never know what's going to happen, but right now I'm for whatever reason, I'm more optimistic than I was before the schedule came out. And I I can't explain exactly why.
0: Well, and Ben, we should go through to the story, some of the main storylines for these games, because it's kind of chock full of them, starting with the first, the first one going to Cincinnati. They open on the road at the Bengals where Joe Burrow, it's going to be a reunion of the 2019 LSU offense. You got Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson on the field. um, And then obviously with uh, Mike Zimmer returning to Cincinnati, there. Um, but Mike, you brought up too, you think one and O in terms of you see them starting out of the gate pretty hot. So Ben, are you sharing the same kind of optimism about that opening game? I mean, yeah, I think
1: so. I think that that should be a game that you win. And if you're serious, if you, I'll say this, if you don't win that, and then it's, uh, we got to put our season back together against Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, an offensive coordinator who knows everything about us um or a head coach that knows everything about us from when he was the offensive coordinator I, I i think it'd be easier to start with a win if you're uh serious about going anywhere and yeah the idea of your magic burrow won't be ready i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna catch him at any time that's not a bad
0: time to get him so um yeah he won't be ready chase will tear acl that will be fine <laughs> mike why are you so optimistic about that that start to the season
2: no, I just I think yeah, you, know, you look at week one. I I, thought, I saw some odds that came out. They're the only NFC North team that's favored in week one. I think that was a thing that came out even before the full schedule came out. Packers have a tough week week one game, right? Jordan
1: Love Jameis Winston matchup is uh it's kind of a toss-up.
2: Yeah. I mean yeah. that that's it, the one that's well, late
1: afternoon, but it's like uh it doesn't have quite the juice that it typically does with Rodgers and Brees.
2: No, and the and the thing is like if we're being completely honest, like Ben said, like a lot of this season does like your perception of this season hinges a more than we would ever care to admit on what happens with the Aaron Rodgers situation. Like if that, that is a complete game changer. If, if he gets traded the the complete unknown commodity of what Jordan love is, it it makes them at the very least division co-favorites, but we, you know, we're not going to bank on that, but if you're just looking at their schedule, I feel like, they should they should beat the Bengals at Carolina or I'm sorry at the Cardinals yeah Cardinals see here's the, here's the trouble I get into I look at Cardinals at, at Cardinals and I look at home against the Seahawks and I think of two games that are going to be you know probably within like the the spread if you're thinking about you know who should win who should lose those are probably like those are both going to be within a field goal probably game. so you give one you give one to the Vikings you give one to you give one to the opponents I get I get a field goal against the Seahawks you say what's that within a field goal I'm not saying they're high, kicking, I'm saying. saying it's a I'm saying that's the gap you, you want to stand it, on that ah uh, oh. 27 yards to glory <laughs> <laughs> no. so I a got the sort of Viking story I think they'll be I think 2 and 1 after after week 3 is within reach I, I think they'll beat the Browns cuz I think the Browns are going to fall back then you got the Lions they're going to beat the Lions so that's 4 and 1 I think 4 and and, and, and at the Panthers I'm Panthers aren't going to win. So I've got them at four and two at the worst going into the bye, And then Dallas coming out of the bye at home. I feel like that's a win too. So I've, I've, I feel like five and two is within their reach, but these are the Vikings. So we got to see it on the field. I yeah, I, what, I, I see the way it shakes out. I think they'll be, the they'll, horns. they'll be, they'll be, there's no reason they shouldn't at least be in every, every single one of these games. And I think they would be favored in at least five of them.
0: Yeah, they do. They do always seem to play the Seahawks close, even though it was been however many straight um, Seahawks game. Now, Ben, do you want to explain to people for the fourteen hundredth time why the Seahawks are coming to Minnesota and why they could be coming to Minnesota for three straight years?
1: Yeah, I, I sure would be happy to do that, Andrew. The NFL schedule is not determined by people sitting in a back room uh, with whatever you know cigarette smoke wafting through the air. It's probably not still a thing that happens thankfully, but it, you know, the image of, you know, sort of these backroom dealings, uh, they don't do that. It's a fairly predictable formula where you play everybody in an NFC division on a rotation. And then there's also a rotation of teams that you play in the other NFC divisions that finish in the same spot in their division as you do in yours. The Vikings and Seahawks quite often have finished in the same spot in their respective divisions, which means they have played each other in all these games. the Vikings, played out there in 2018 as part of the rotation where they played the entire NFC West. They were in the same spot in the division in 2018 and 2019 as the Seahawks were in theirs, which means they played each other in 2019 and 2020. Both of those games were at the NFC West site. So they played in Seattle three straight years. Now they play the entire NFC West, but it flips. So they go to San Francisco and Arizona who came to us bank stadium in 2018. And they post Seattle and the Rams, the two teams that they traveled to play in 2018. So that's why that flips this year. And then next year and the year after that, they host the same place finisher in the NFC West. So if by some chance, and this would be quite statistically unlikely, I guess, but if by some chance the Vikings and Seahawks finish in the same spot in the division uh, in every year that they need to to play each other this way, the Vikings could Play the Seahawks at US Bank Stadium in the next three years, uh, at which point the torch of this, uh, what I think is going to be a bit of a tired complaint, uh, passes from Minneapolis to the Pacific Northwest. Why do we always have to go to US Bank Stadium? <laughs> so it's a
0: formula. There's no conspiracy. Uh, that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. and so the the C- Oh, go ahead, Mike.
2: I was going to say, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, re- I'm realizing one more thing that I'm probably optimistic about is there there aren't any expectations this year. I feel like this team overperforms when there's limited expectations and underperforms when there's less expectations. So maybe it's that kind of odd, even, odd, even, odd, even thing where they, you know, they go to the playoffs and you expect them to do it again. They don't do it, but it's it's something that happens in Minnesota beyond the Vikings where if you aren't expecting it, then that's when it happens. It seems so, to
1: be the case with uh, two of our other three uh, there two seem to be two examples of that among our other three teams that are well there's one that never has any expectations but they're they're the rules, two yeah. uh, are examples of exactly that
2: well and Minnesota United is starting out 1 and 4 this year after going to the you know semifinals yeah. last yeah. year you got the twins that are what 12 and 22 as of recording right now after great expectations but the wild nobody thought anything exactly. they are going to do anything and they're good so who knows it's all it's all especially in an NFL season with 17 games it's you know six of them are going to come down to some ball bouncing a weird way. Who knows?
0: And we gotta. We should mention the obligatory show Reeve and the Lynx just keep winning. Um, but yeah, right. every, everybody but, else is off. Yeah, exactly. Like were, it rolls out.
2: <laughs> the, the Lynx are the one team that actually lives up to expectations um, and, and constantly exceeds them.
0: Well, no doubt Mike, credit to their ownership. Mike, why do you think? Like, wow, <laughs> that's a great Star Tribune plug. Mike, why do you think um, there's no expectations for these teams? You
2: know, I, I think you know you just saw the way they played last year and you know fans look at this team and you look at you know again not to bring this back to you know a, a gambling angle but you look at the the over under for this team is 8.5 that is exactly smack dab in the middle you have to guess whether they're going to be a winning team or a losing team if you're going to wager on this team and that that by very definition should tell you there there shouldn't be a lot of there's not a lot of expectations externally. At least you know has how people view them. They you know they're probably a team that's that could make the playoffs if if things go their way this season. At least that's the external view. So you know you, you went seven and nine last year. You're kind of on the brink of are you going to turn this whole roster over or is this going to work for another year or two? expectations certainly aren't where they were in 2018 or 2020 coming off of the seasons they had the previous you know those two years
0: yeah and we should mention too that the extra game that 17th game is going to be a road game so the vikings have nine road games eight home games in this first 17 game slate for the nfl um surely they'll be balancing that out in future years but this year say that again there will be nine home games
1: next year. So their yeah. yeah, the extra game against the AFC will be at home next year, and then they will play only one preseason game at home next year. We also have the preseason schedule now. We do. We exactly care about
0: it. We don't quite need to break that down, but um, I think what in was general, the first
1: one though
0: was what it was that was the Broncos the first one? I, I think so. Yeah, I think. uh yeah. re, Rogers first game in a Denver uniform <laughs> coming to US Bank Stadium. George, you Payne. need to break that down. George Payton coming here with Aaron Rodgers. There's, can yep. you imagine? <laughs> um, we First should mention. Ma- week two, ma, there's, there's
1: local angles all over the place with this thing.
0: There, there is. Well, I think we should mention, though, too, that um, a lot of this can be viewed through the lens of the quarterbacks that they're going to be facing and, and why a certain stretch of the schedule could be hard or easy. I think any kind of relief they might get in the NFC North in terms of quarterbacks, in terms of whether it's facing Andy Dalton, or a rookie Justin Fields, or Jordan Love, who would essentially be a rookie in his first year starting for the, the Packers. Um, it's kind of offset by the fact that that extra game is coming against on the road against Justin Herbert. Um, you've got Joe Burrow, who, who's who got a ton of weapons around him, if he's going to be healthy and playing in that game. Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. Um, now, and then Baker Mayfield, really not going to scare you, but Kevin Stefanski comes to U.S. Bank Stadium in week four with quite a bit of institutional knowledge about the Vikings and this defense that he'll be facing. Um, and then out of that bye week, Ben, you would mentioned Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love, um, Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo. The, the, the schedule setup doesn't help them with the quarterback situation in terms of if you were hoping to catch a Packers without Aaron Rodgers, let's say he's holding out at the beginning of the season, well, you don't play the Packers till week 11. If you were hoping to face the 49ers before Trey Lance gets his feet wet, well, you don't face them till week 12. Um, or the Packers before
1: Jordan Love gets his feet wet, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, true. you know, it, it's hard to know with either of these
0: guys how much that will make a difference in year one. But, yeah, you don't catch them week one. That's true. And then, obviously, like we mentioned with Justin Fields and the Bears, you're facing them twice in, in December. It would look like December slash January. Um, so yeah, the quarterbacks, it's it's not the easiest to run through, especially as Ben, you said at the top that the kind of middle of that schedule is pretty difficult. Now, in terms of primetime games, prime beat writers too, the middle. Yeah, I really That games. It really is. Um, primetime games, though, they don't have their first one until Halloween night against the Dallas Cowboys. And then they've got the Steelers, the Bears, and the Packers on the second half of the schedule. So they're not getting any cupcake kind of primetime games. That whole narrative about Kirk Cousins, Ben, you know, you, you all say he can't win in primetime. Um, that's going to get pushed and tested quite a bit in the second half of the schedule. Yeah, we're going to hear it. Week eight,
1: you guys all say he can't win in primetime, but he went down. I'd I seen to recall he went down to Dallas two years ago and played pretty well.
0: So <laughs> he did. you will hear that that week. Has he gotten, forgive me, he won a Monday night game, right? He won, he won the night game last year. He won in the yep. playoffs. Um, he still hasn't won a
1: lot. I mean, and he lost in Seattle. But I mean, that wasn't his fault. The team lost in Seattle. I mean, that game last year, they gave up the drive to Russell Wilson. Um, the yeah, the Alexander Madison gets a yard. He wins out there. So, um, yeah, he's he's won a few. It'll come up, but it'll also be brought up as a straw man because, um,
0: you know, media bullying is uh, is a thing. Now, as far as Kirk goes, um, it, it's not like the defenses they're facing out of the gate are really tough mike had said about 2020 he had said oh i thought they're gonna get off to a hot start they go one and five and it was pretty dismal it it might have been the stretch that leads the vikings to thinking boy we should get a developmental quarterback um so if something happens similar this year where it's it's cincinnati it's arizona it's seattle it's cleveland it's detroit it's carolina none of those defenses in the first six weeks scare you. And you're thinking with this offense, with Heelan, Jefferson, Cook, Irv Smith stepping into the starting role, there really should be no excuses for the offense getting off to a slow start, even with Clint Kubiak stepping into that that role. What do you think, Mike?
2: Yeah, I, I buy that. I hadn't really broken it down so much into expectations of opposing defenses, but that, that does make a certain sense, amount of sense. Maybe that's, you know, when you just look at it, quickly at a glance you look at teams that don't necessarily scare you and the defense is a big part of that on all those on all those teams so i, I it would be interesting though i mean if they if they do struggle and things don't go the way you're not going to put you're not going to bench kirk cousins for that murderer's row of games that comes in the middle of the season so i mean wh- what are you going to do exactly if, if things aren't aren't going your way at that point you know maybe you entertain the idea of you know making a switch late late in the season but i i it still seems kind of preposterous to to think about that and until we see how the year plays out
1: it is an interesting point though because you're right the the easiest part of the schedule comes when Kirk Cousins would theoretically not have burned through enough goodwill to get the vikings to make a switch and then you're doing it in a in a pretty tough part of the schedule the, the one wild card i suppose would be if something goes so bad that you have people in terms of mike zimmer and Rex spielman saying we need to win games to save our jobs or flip the narrative here saying we've got a developmental quarterback and he's yeah we didn't we didn't win but he showed some things uh let's move forward with that into 2022 that could be the one thing that maybe does it just if if you're sitting there saying we need to make a switch for our own sakes but you're right Uh, on on its face this does not set up terribly well for an easy on-ramp for for Kellen Mond.
2: Well, and if you bench Cousins at some point this season, doesn't he's basically become untradeable in 2022 when yeah, he's due forty-five million dollars?
0: Yes, he does.
2: So, yeah, and
0: then what's what's the uh, what's the exit ramp for you there on, on Kirk Cousins if it's not a trade? Exactly, it's got to be falling
2: off a cliff. So it is. <laughs> Well,
0: I guess so. Um, All right, Ben, well, guys, in terms of the other storylines for the schedule, do any of them stick out to you? Because Ben, you went through and you tweeted out um, kind of a storyline for every single week. And it's, that's just how the NFL works. You know, you've always got something, they always try to put together um, some kind of, you know, intrigue for these weeks, even when it is, you know, the Panthers or Cleveland coming to town um what what stands out to you outside of some of the obvious ones I guess well
1: I mean the 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 Lions are a little bit interesting to me just in the sense of you know it's a new quarterback who has the Vikings beat up the first time they played him and then he had a perfect pass rating against them the next year you have Zimmer and Dan Dan Campbell that have a lot of history together uh, back when they were together in Dallas and Zim was coordinating the defense and Dan Campbell was biting kneecaps and um, you know, so there's, there's some interest there, I think. Um, the we're going to hear a lot about the Justin Jefferson revenge game in LA. I, I think we're going to hear quite a bit of that that week about, you know, not not winning offensive rookie of the year over Justin Herbert. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious to see a few of those things and and the, the trip to Carolina, I think, is because that that was a game last year and that was a barn burner, it was a game that they probably shouldn't have won. And then they get Christian McCaffrey back theoretically that I I still think it's a very winnable game, but that's the, the interesting thing there. I think with that one is just with him back in the mix, does that become a a little bit more difficult matchup? So there's, yeah, there's something on just about every one of these things.
0: All right, now let's do schedule predictions. we got to figure out wins, losses, ties. They can go 500 still potentially, Kirk
2: Cousins uh, has never gone 500 despite all the people who say he's just a 500 quarterback. They've raised the bar on the difficulty for that with 17 games, but that's true. Not, that, not that's impossible.
0: The,
1: he has had a tie in his career. Uh, he's he said, he's, he's had
2: two, eight, seven and one seasons, but
0: never an eight and eight season. Now he so, can go eight, eight and one. So that's the Jeff Fisher thing too. I think it was, he was always seven and nine or eight, seven and nine or nine and seven, but everybody called him the eight and eight head coach. Um, all right. So who, who do you got, Mike? What, what, uh, what do you see here with your optimism? Does it, is it 17 and zero? where, where does the optimism end?
2: It's not a 17 and no optimism, but if I'm the way I'm looking at it right now, I'm going to go 10 and seven. I'm going to say they win 10 games this year and you know, and in, what expanded playoffs, right. That's enough to get into the playoffs probably 10 and seven. Right. Probably, I, I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly. Good? Why, I
1: mean, I don't know what to make of 10 and seven.
2: Yeah. It's not great. It's just, it's, it's, it. I think they'd be overperforming most expectations, not dramatically, but, um, that, that would be enough probably not to win the division unless it's a Aaron Rodgers less division where 10 games might win a division because everybody else could be in the kind of six to eight or nine range, but I'm going to go 10 and seven. Um, and, and I, like I said before, I don't have wholly logical reasons for this other than when I look at the schedule, I just think they're better than 10. I think they're the better team in enough games that they're going to win 10 times.
0: Now this does kind of buck the conventional wisdom a little bit because in the NFL, it was always get to double digit wins. A 10 and six season is a successful season. It's typically a playoff season. Um, Yeah. Is 10 and seven good? Because I saw Mike, when you said that Ben kind of had the face of like, I don't know what to feel about that. Well, in, in the question
1: too, with a seven team playoff format, getting to double dudes may still be enough. It was not in the AFC last year, but in the NFC, it was more than enough. So that may still, in most years, be a, a decent threshold with the extra playoff team. I just, I, I, maybe I'm just getting old. I hate diluted playoffs. I just, and I get it. It's more money, it's more TV, all that stuff. But, and the super wild card weekend last year was fun, but I just, I don't like diluted playoffs.
0: Well, what do you got? What what uh, what record do you think they're going to end up with? On May 13th, Ben Gessling is going to be tied to this prediction forever. What what do you think they're going to... Uh,
1: you know, I will say this. Even if I am tied to it, it's not as much as I used to have to do at ESPN when they, they do that, you know, annual thing where all the writers pick how their team is going to do and they pick a result in every game when the schedule comes out and then everybody lampoons it because the league collectively is supposed to go like 550 or something. But the thing is, nobody wants to pick their team to be terrible in May when you don't really know. And especially when the schedule came out before the draft in the old days, this was always, I think they used to make us pick scores, which is ridiculous. So I'm glad I don't have to do that. I will say, uh, let's see. I, I, I'd buy four and two to the first six.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: This is a great podcast. <laughs> out. You
2: can't even see Ben thinking right now. The wheels are turning though. The wheels are turning.
0: I Yeah, I think that 10 and 7, 9 and 8
1: range is probably about where I'd go. I mean, I I think, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if they get off to a good early start, I think they have a chance to, to you know, there'll be enough games in there. They'll beat the Lions at least once. And um, they'll probably get at least one against the Packers and, the Carolina, this should be a win. The Steelers may not be as good. And by that point, Roethlisberger could be hurt. Who knows? Um,
2: yeah, it is you... weird. It is weird how much my opinion almost hinges on week one, um, that it shouldn't be that in an NFL season. But if they beat the Bengals, that's like the, the win you, you know, it's a little bit of a toss up. They're only like three point favorites, but if they lose that game, all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's going to be harder to get to 10. If they win that game, you're like, yeah, I can see the path to 10 now. It's a weird it's weird that that matters so much to me, but it it kind of does,
1: yeah, it's one of those that you wanna say we can put it in the wind column and and not have to worry too much about it because there are gonna be plenty that you do, so yeah, I guess I would say nine and eight, ten, and seven somewhere in that range unless the odd year magic comes in, and then <clears throat> it probably means that you're not facing like christian McCaffrey, your Lamar Jackson gets hurt. Or something, or like the last time they played the Ravens, the Ravens had like three receivers who were upright by the end of the game. Uh, maybe had four, and then Anderson Dejo did what he does. Um, it, you know, if it's something like that, then thirteen and four, and go on a run, and let's see where the parade goes.
0: Yeah, I think the difference between this team being eleven and six or ten and seven, which all still feels really weird to say or even consider. Um, that that's a a finish but I think the difference lies in all the things that we'll spend all summer talking about in terms of Kirk Cousins does he have a fire lit under him with this drafting of a quarterback is he going to play you know better or that NFC player of the month style football that he has played before Tober, uh, Kirk Tober thank you can we extend Kirk Tober is the is the health of this team going to swing back the other way? Is Daniel Hunter, Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, are they all going to play a full season? Um, is this secondary going to take a next step? Is Patrick Peterson not washed? Is he going to come out and be the player that he used to be? Um, all these open questions. To me, I'm, I think this is going to hold up another year. Exactly. Now it's seventeen games. Not you know, it's one you know, seventeenth more than normal. But um, I, I think. I have to go the pessimistic side at this point. I think this team is more set up to go seven and 10 and have a little bit of a reckoning with boy, we just let Riley reef leave and we replaced him with a rookie. Um, We were right potentially in drafting a developmental quarterback because you might find out that, Hey, Kirk cousins is going to have, in a longer season, I know again just one more game, but in a longer season might have another up or down just that kind of that volatility in his game that you were not used to seeing from the top quarterbacks he has that and so more games might not necessarily be a good thing for him it's like and just the same in basketball where the
1: more possessions you have the more it does tend to average out. Teams hold the ball <laughs> to try to take that effect out of it the more you can uh, can even that out you it plays into it.
0: And and two, I just think there's part of this with – there's part of it too in in terms of the defense where how they've constructed this is they want to run the ball, they want to stop the run. And right now the NFL is building up passing games, and they are facing some pretty good passing games, some pretty good wide receiver cores, even if it's going to be outside of the division. Because let's say say in the Vikings' best-case scenario, Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford leave in the same offseason – you're still going to be facing a Kyler Murray offense. You're still going to be facing Justin Herbert. You're still going to be facing um, Joe Burrow's uh, wide receiver cast that he's got that looks really good right now. Um, I just think they've built this defense to stop the run, and how many great running teams are they facing outside of the Baltimore Ravens? I don't think it's that many. Um, so to me, it's, it's where's the pass rush, and I'm going, to, I'm going to keep saying that, and I understand Daniel Hunter, they want him back healthy and happy. I understand all that. But where's the One pass guy. Where's the pass rush? Is it just going to be him and Anthony Barr? I think Mike Zimmer, this coaching staff, if they succeed on defense this year, especially getting after the quarterback, it is going to be because they scheme up better than anybody else. And I know they've done that before, but you need to see it with the personnel that they have right now because they certainly haven't fixed their issue with having no interior pass rush. And then is Daniel Hunter and Anthony Barr going to be enough to create the edge rush that you're used to having. I don't know. So at this point with all the, um, outlying questions and and not knowing and not having answers that we're not going to have until September, until they actually play. Um, I have to lean more toward the pessimistic side and say, this is a pretty tough schedule quarterback wise, and I'm not too confident in their ability to stop a lot of these quarterbacks.
1: Yeah. Two things in response to that. Uh, It's a lot of tough quarterbacks. It's a lot of mobile quarterbacks too, in terms of if it's Justin Fields, if, you are, yeah, of course, facing Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. You're going to see a lot of these quarterbacks that add that dimension to it, certainly Lamar Jackson. So you have to figure that out, too. And they've had some trouble with those types of guys in the past with young pass rushers. Second thing, perhaps more important, the way you said they built this defense to stop the run made me think there would be a great parody song to do to the tune of Starship. We built this city on rock and roll. <laughs> uh, there, Those who know... And no larger public, you will not hear these things. But uh, there have been a few parody songs that have been <laughs> about for the enjoyment of Vikings beat writers in the past. And um, there could be a fun one there.
0: So That would, that would be. All right, guys. We'll, that's not... we'll workshop it. We will. All right. Now I want to share with you guys a chat I had with former Division three quarterback Jackson Erdman, the record setter at St. John's. Anybody who follows D3 football, local Minnesota college football certainly knows that name. He was a very good quarterback for the Johnnies and ended up uh, going through and having an interesting year in lieu of having tryouts after the NFL draft in 2020. He was one of the many guys who did not have the opportunity to go out there and try out for teams much like Adam Thielen, CJ Hamm, all these other guys did before him coming from smaller schools. The pandemic has limited the amount of tryouts on NFL teams. Last year, there were none. This year, the NFL is limiting five such tryout players to each team at this weekend's rookie minicamps. Jackson, at this point, unfortunately, is not one of those guys who's on or getting a tryout with NFL teams this weekend, but he's still chasing that dream. and so I wanted to catch up with him about his past year, what he's doing to pass the time, how far he's had to travel to continue playing football including an interesting stint in the fan-controlled football league. Uh, so let's hear from Jackson right now. What have you been up to nowadays?
3: Um, so I recently did the, I don't know if you it was the FCF. That was the fan-controlled football league. Yeah. Um, so I did that, gosh, I lose track of the month. I think it was like January through March. And then, you know, got back after that, did the UN uh, go for pro day. Um, and then after that, I've just been working like part-time in the mornings and then like training in the afternoons, um, just, you know, hoping for an opportunity, but yeah, none have come so far. So it's been a little tough.
0: Well, what, uh, where you working part-time?
3: Uh, my uncle has an engineering company in Bloomington. So, you know, it's I've, I've worked here for like several years, like in summers, like spring breaks and stuff in between school and everything. So it's a great part-time gig
0: engineering so what do you do for that
3: so it's soil engineering so a variety of different tests on like soil it's primarily from like construction sites solar fields farms um and yeah just you know different types of soil the density strength water content all, all different kinds of tests
0: okay so it's kind of a family business
3: uh, no i wouldn't say family business i mean my uncle like it's it's his business but um like, uh, like I'm the only one in the family that like, you know, like that currently works here part time. Sure. um, But it, yeah, it's definitely a smaller scale
0: business. For sure. Well, I guess. Yeah, let's let's go back to I mean, last time we spoke, it was a year ago. And um, you were kind of in the same boat where you're just waiting for opportunities and then they just they the tryouts never happened. Um, and I saw you played in the spring league down in San Antonio, too. Yep. Um, how did that all come together? Like, when did you kind of realize, like, last year, like, all right, I'm just going to have to go and chase whatever football opportunities are there?
3: Um, pre- Pretty much as soon as, you know, the CFL announced they weren't having a season. Mm-hmm. NFL was kind of underway and, you know, nothing like rookie minicamps that kept getting pushed back. They were, like, saying, okay, maybe we'll have before training camp. Never happened all that kind of stuff, so I was like, okay, well, it's going to be, like, a full season, football season, you know, so take advantage of whatever opportunity you can get, which was the spring league, and then it just timed out well to do FCF as well, and then, yeah, came back and was hoping for more opportunities, at least I had the pro day this year. Um, As far as rookie minicamps, you know, I was excited, because, like, had some interest, especially after the pro day, but then the NFL dropped the bomb. There are like, only five people, or, like, players allowed that aren't signed or picked up. So that was, that was super disheartening and um, disappointing for sure because uh, Luke, my agent, was pretty confident that we had at least, like, a couple lined up um, to do or, you know, to choose from. So that, that, that was tough. Um, but, yeah, hoping for some, like, CFL opportunities or maybe NFL still might be a little tough because we're getting down there with time
0: yeah um, but yeah. you you said it i mean you said drop the bomb that's because i know when at these rookie mini camps they have 30 40 tryout guys sometimes and for five that's leaving 35 potentially of you guys out on every single team and that's just yeah it's such a tough situation in terms of the nfl so have you been told anything about like hey maybe you know they're going to open up tryouts potentially in august or, or like how does what is what's the situation with the cfl like are you kind of waiting that out too
3: so CFL it's a little different, whereas like um well obviously they're trying to have a season this year and I think they pushed it back like a month or so. Mm. Um so like I, I've been in talks, for example, with like um Edmonton, well not me, I guess like Luke. Um IFA, they do all the communications and kind of loot me in and fill me in. Um so very fortunate to be with them and have them. But um yeah, has 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 excuse me, has had some uh um like specific interest from Edmonton. NFL team, but waiting to hear back from them, hoping for a shot there. But they, you know, they like they talked about maybe having like a private workout or like signing or whatever. Um, but it's, yeah, all up in there. You know, it's yeah, just a lot of it's just like going with the flow and just figuring stuff out.
0: You oh, know. absolutely. And Edmonton, I think that's where isn't that where Brandon Zylstra ended up playing and before he got his NFL shot?
3: Yeah, exactly. Yep. So that'd be pretty cool
0: absolutely man well say what was it like playing in these like for, let's go to the fan controlled football because that's like the the most off the wall one <laughs> in terms of just like the setup what was that like in terms of playing in a league where don't fans like pick the plays for you guys yeah it's
3: essentially a, like a an in-person madden so <laughs> you know we're, we're the avatars in real life playing so it, it was interesting for sure you know different dynamics and a lot of terms, you know, it was arena football type, smaller field, smaller scale, less guy. Um and then yeah, that was a huge difference for me. And then you add on the fans calling the plays, it's like what? <laughs> like it was the biggest difference was, you know, not being able to like prep with like the, at St. John, I also used to like, okay, what are we thinking for this drive? What are we going to go out over running? What is the game plan? Going to these games, we had absolutely like no game plan. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like whatever the fans call, you don't know who's calling it. it. Could be just someone logging on um, randomly and everything. So yeah, th- that was difficult. But I was lucky to be on a team where we kind of had a system down, and I was able to like, like before each game, I would like tweet out videos or like game plans. Be like, hey, like this is what we're liking this week. This is our team because the teams would change on a weekly basis. Mm. Um, so, like if these are our guys, this is what we should do. Um, and they somewhat followed it. You know so that helps, but still, just the uncertainty of not knowing what the heck they're gonna call until it was ten seconds before we're supposed to snap the ball.
0: So you're lobbying to the fans of like, hey, please call these kind of plays?
3: Yes, like you you can literally go on Twitter like' I'll, I I'm pretty sure I or the owner Greg Miller, um, I probably retweeted like tweet out videos of like me. Like, it started at, like, I'd have, like, notes and, like, like documents I'd tweet out. But then I'm like, okay, maybe not everyone's reading this. They're more like they'll watch a video explaining it. So then towards the end of the season, I'd be releasing videos. Like, hey, like, we shouldn't do this play. You know, because, like, the trick plays, like, some of them we had practice for two weeks. I'm like, don't call this. It could be a disaster or whatever. Or, I'm like, in this situation, maybe run the ball. We have these guys this week. These are their strengths. Um, and I think it worked for the most part too, because we had a good fan base who were like, we were like actually wanted to like win and like, you know, they, 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 did a good job as, the you know,
0: offensive coordinator or something else. So they listened to you guys for the most part.
3: Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, they still called the dang QB draws when I was like, please don't drop me. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they claimed a couple of them weren't So
0: they, cl- <laughs> wait, say that yeah. again. They did what?
3: They claimed that they are accidents. Like one one of the plays, I actually separated my shoulder on was like a you know read option play, and they tweeted at me after the game. Sorry, we called that. We didn't mean to. Like that one was an accident or <laughs> something like that. So yeah, it's it funny, but yeah, it was great. People involved. It was a good experience. So super fun.
0: Absolutely, man. Well, um, so then the spring league was that a little more traditional in terms of the setup?
3: Oh yeah, yeah. You know that, and that that took place before fan control. Yeah, it, it was eleven man. You know, but yeah, <laughs> exactly traditional football. um, So that, that that was a interesting experience to say the least. You know, it was disappointing that you know COVID ended up canceling it. Um, in the yeah, I think it was October ish. Um, so they're they're starting up again and having like a little longer season. So hopefully it'll last for them. Um, But, yeah, a lot of good experiences and learned experiences, no doubt.
0: Well, Jackson, obviously anybody who follows you knows um, how much, how good you were at St. John's, obviously, and then um, just kind of your career up to this point. What what motivates you to keep chasing the stream?
3: A lot of it, too, is, you know, just the feedback, like, from, like, scouts and everything, like, and, like, like, guys I've trained with, like, in my agency, you know, and just other current NFL guys, like, being encouraging, supporting, like, hey, like, keep rolling, like, you got the talent, like, you're good, Um, and all that stuff, like, I probably wouldn't have been, you know, I might have been able to stop, like, despite everything being canceled and stuff, if, like, I wasn't getting that feedback, you know, so, but, like, that's encouraging for me, and then I got a great family, friends, support system, um, you know, that helped me out, and are very supportive, and just the drive, too, like, I hate being told, like, oh, no, like, you don't got Someone said like you don't have the arm strength. I'm like I've never heard that as like a flaw. You know, I was like what? But a- anyway, yeah. So you know, I, I appreciate you know the positive feedback, and then also like drive off the negative feedback. And like, no, you're not good enough. Like, I want, I'm waiting for that opportunity because. In a sense, like I haven't really had one other than like the pro day, um, so I'm just hoping for that, and I'm ready to show everyone what I can do.
0: Absolutely. What well, did you um, do you allow yourself to think of, of a backup plan at all? I mean, do you in terms of like what you want to do if it's not football?
3: Oh, absolutely. I think that's a lot to do. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, I and and I struggle with that too because I don't know what I want to do. Like the last thing I want to do is fall into. Um, you know like a corporate job like that's just not me that's not my personality so like i'm trying to think you know i have a couple of ideas like reaching out to alum or stuff um you know just scheme of like nothing i'm like ready to do yet. you know i'm not ready to stop chasing the stream or i don't want to be done playing football so I'm really hoping for an opportunity so i can keep doing that just doing what i love but you know we'll, we'll see in the grand scheme of things
0: yeah you had brought up you've been training in the afternoons who are you training with
3: uh, I'm currently at Game Face. Uh, it's a little Viking facility um, oh, yeah. where they're located. So, yeah, I, I'm really, I'm working, like, with a special, like, his name's KB. He's, uh, um, like, footwork, um, you know, agility and everything, and that's one of my uh, area I need to work on. So I'm really kind of working on that, getting my footwork right, and uh, getting my speed up. So I'm loving it there.
0: Yeah, and I remember last year you were doing some stuff with ETS and some Vikings players, weren't you?
3: Yeah, yep, I was at ETS um, up until kind of the – I was at the spring league. And then I was gone for, what, like five, six months being out of state with like maybe a couple weeks in between um, being back home. But, yeah, I, I love them. They're, they're great. A lot of the guys at IFA and the Vikings are there. Um, But, yeah, just I – there's a couple guys I like throwing with too at um, – excuse me, game face like Jake Winnikey, he's up in Maple Grove, he's with CFL, Um, Travis Toivonen, who was just at FCF with me. So I'm I'm enjoying those guys and throwing with them too. Um, But it's tough when there's so many great facilities to choose from in the Twin Cities, you know, he bounced around a little bit, but it's a good problem to have.
0: Yeah, Jake's a good dude. I remember when he came through a Vikings camp not too long ago, he's been in the CFL for a minute now, hasn't
3: he? Uh, So he had his first year and he did very well with uh, uh Montreal and then the second season was canceled. So this will technically be his second season plan coming up. So yeah, he's a great guy though. I'm actually throwing with him later today.
0: Oh, awesome, man. Awesome. Well, say Jackson, is there anything else you wanted to add just kind of about where, where you're at here and, and your dream, or your, the journey, I guess I should say.
3: Yeah. You know, it, it, it it's been interesting to say the least, you know, a lot of ups and downs, highs and lows, but um and that goes for everyone, you know. I, I'm saying that as a very privileged, you know. I'm I, I have a great part time job. I'm still pursuing my dream of playing football. So I know like COVID and everything's been tough on a lot of people, but um, you know, I just always try to stay positive. I trust that there's a path and if it's not football, okay, I'll figure it out, you know. Um if it is, awesome, I'd love it. I've dreamt of that forever. Um, I'm going to keep chasing it for a little while longer, and I'm going to get an opportunity.
0: Absolutely, man. Well, thank you so much for your time today. and I, we got to stay in touch here. I want to see um, where your journey takes you.
1: Hey, I appreciate that Andrew. Sounds good.